Welcome to Breaking Through with Elena. I'm Elena, which I guess makes sense. And before we get started here, I just want to thank everyone for your warm welcome back with season two of the podcast and for understanding why there was such a long break in between seasons. I just appreciate you guys so much. And also, thank you to everybody that came up to say hi during CMA Fest week. I didn't get a chance to talk about that much last week because we just had a lot to cover. But CMA 2019 was just a blast. And even though it's one of the most fun weeks of the year here in Nashville, I am glad to slow down just a little bit after that. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. It was wild. So time to get back to business. Y'all, this is a big one. If you listen to my season one recap episode with Jim Casey of NashCountryDaily.com, he asked who I really wanted on season two. And one of my answers... Trisha Yearwood. Well, the time has come and she did not disappoint. She really wanted to open up for you guys and I'm so grateful to her for doing that. I hope you enjoy and stick around till the end of the podcast if you want to hear who my guest next week is going to be. All right, let's do this. Trisha Yearwood, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Last season, uh, I said to everybody that asked who else do you want on this podcast, I'm like, Trisha Yearwood. So <laughs> this is very exciting. I'm happy to be here. And also last season, and this is where I want to start because I would always talk to the ladies that we featured about you know who their influences were. Nearly every single one of them named you, Trisha oh, Yearwood. So that's very kind. But I, I th- found it interesting because they would all also say, you know, in the 90s, women were ruling the airwaves and they really, you know, it was just such a different time. And I think, I wonder if we're looking back at that time with rose colored glasses. And so I'm curious to hear about how you saw it. Did you see it like you guys were ruling the airwaves? I mean, it was still, it's always a struggle. I guess, I guess now with there being such a struggle and such a conversation happening about women being played on the radio, you do look back and go, man, it just, I don't remember that we were having that conversation because there were so many women. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, you know, in, when I got my record deal in 1991, and my first single came out, the woman who had really broken through for all women was Reba. And yeah. Reba had been the first woman who really took control of her career, chose her own songs. It sounds crazy that women wouldn't be choosing their own material, but they weren't. Um, and, and really, deciding who was going to produce her record, how she was going to look in her videos and on her, you know, she really, she was the one in my mind that kind of boss lady, you know, took, yeah. took that control and, and allowed uh, the rest of us to do that for ourselves. And when I think back to the nineties, I think about the diversity of women, because even though there were a lot of women being played, we were all different. You know, you mm-hmm. had me, you had Pam Tillis, you had Susie Boggess, you had um, Reba, uh, Patty Loveless, Winona, I mean, Faith Hill, and then Martina, it just kept going and everybody had a little bit of a different niche. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was, but, but also at that time you had Garth Brooks. So you had, you know, they called them Haddocks and there were tons of guys. So there was still a lot of competition mm-hmm. for women to get played on the radio because there were so many male acts and big male acts like Garth and Clint Black and Alan Jackson, yeah. you know, um, and then of course you always had King George, George Strait was always there, mm-hmm. but so there was, it was still hard. Um, but it was just different. Yeah. Well, and you've been, you've had this incredible career that you've been able to span over years. And so you've really experienced so much of what's happened, especially in country music, you know, over these past years. Do you remember a time where you kind of saw things shift? And, you know, because now, especially within the last year, there's been times that we've seen one woman on the chart, right. the, the top 20. So did you notice when a shift was happening? I didn't because I was in Oklahoma helping Garth raise these girls. And I was, you yeah. know, I had kind of shifted into, I was writing cookbooks and I was, then the cooking show happened and I was doing that. 
and I didn't release any music, you know, yeah. so I wasn't aware and I really didn't no- notice, mm-hmm. honestly, because I wasn't hyper aware of what was happening at radio. I mean, I was going to a lot of soccer practices. Yeah. And when I when when we went back on tour in 2014 and I released a kind of a greatest hits album called Prizefighter and I had one song called Prizefighter that I wanted mm-hmm. to put out. Um then I started being asked questions in interviews, like, yeah. what do you think about the lack of women at radio? And I'm like, I really didn't realize until I kind of moved back to Nashville and tried to figure this out that it was just like, so for me, it was abrupt. For me, it went from 20 women to two. Right. And I don't know the answer. You know, I, I someone told me the other day that the last number one um, female single was a year and a half ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that just blows my mind, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I think, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, 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 like I said, it was a shock to me. Well, I was talking with Maren Morris uh, back in December, and that was when she was the only woman in the top 20, right? And she said that she felt like she kind of had a responsibility being that person. And so it was a little bit bittersweet for her because she couldn't really fully celebrate because she wanted to see her other female peers be able to celebrate like that. Do you feel because of who you are and the spot that you're in that you have any kind of responsibility to do stuff like that and make sure that women are coming back in the well, genre? Well, I do feel that women need to, I've always, I always feel like if you have something bad to, to say about another woman and that's your competition, that I don't want you to talk to me because mm-hmm. we need to be supporting each other yeah. and we need to be banding together and being doing things together. One of the things that happened on this new album that I made, and it wasn't intentional, um, was that a lot of the songs on this record are written or co-written by women. A lot nice. of them, like probably 12 out of 14. Wow. And it just was, it just worked out that way. The songs just fell that way. So it's giving me an opportunity to do mm-hmm. some in the rounds, some, um, and showcase some of these women. Um, because there's some, some incredible talent that you've not even heard yet, you know, that just oh, yeah. is writing, they're writing these amazing songs and they have great voices. So I do think I do feel responsibility, but I also feel a joy in that because I want to be the cheerleader for other women and not because they're women, but because they're good. Mm -hmm. Well, and and that's something that a lot of younger women that listen to this podcast write in a lot about. They they look for advice on how to not be that woman that is cutting down other women because we're so often pitted against each other and we don't have as much space a lot of times to, to actually succeed. And um, I mean, I am always championing, make your own space if you can't find it. But for people that are wondering kind of how to deal with that and make sure that they are supporters of women, how do they find their way to that? I think it's really, I mean, it's all, it all comes down to being to fear and insecurity. You know, we all just want to belong. We all, we're worried that if, somebody else gets this, then I'm not going to get mine or whatever. And you have to let that stuff go because I really, truly believe, and I'm coming at this as a 54-year-old woman who really is at a place in my life where I'm not saying I always felt this way because I'm a competitive person. I want to be the best. I want to succeed. But if you you try to make sure that you're just a good person and you help everybody else, what is supposed to happen for you is going to happen. I firmly believe that. In, and bigger and better than you could imagine. You will get back so much more by giving mm-hmm. than by trying to just get, get, get. Oh, so agree. Now, let's go back a little bit to your early part of your career. And for people that are listening that might just kind of wonder what kind of things you had to overcome. Is there a specific story that you can think back to right now that you really it took a lot to overcome and keep persevering? Well, I think in general, I'm um, I'm a good little Southern girl, and I don't like confrontation. Yes, <laughs> and I 
don't want to ever have to say, hey, what's going on right now is not okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the biggest moments was in 1992. So early on in my career, and I'm pretty vocal now. If something's not, I still don't like confrontation, but yeah. if something's not the way I think it should be, I know that I have to speak up. Mm-hmm. But this was very early on, and um, I was shooting a commercial for I was I was had a perfume for Revlon. And this was in again 1992, a year into my career, and I'm just the little like, hey, I'm ha- happy to be here in New York. I'm the little country mm-hmm. girl, and they they're all. It starts out with, well, did you bring your own clothes? Because we have clothes, and it's like. The girl from Nashville can't know what fashion is. It was oh, that. Oh, you know? gosh, yeah. Then it was like, well, you, you can't use your own makeup person because, you know, they're from Nashville. Or it was all of that. And I endured some of that. And when I got to set, my manager, um, who at the time had another artist who was a little more high maintenance. And so he thought, of the two shoots in the same day, Trisha won't have a problem. So I'll go to this other shoot. So, of course, this was the day that um, I'm shooting this commercial and they have me interacting with a, a, a guy who's a model they've hired. Mm-hmm. And they really want me to just basically make out with this guy. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 26. I'm not a prude, but I'm I'm she's one of the boys in number one record. And every seven year old girl in America is singing this song. Right. And so I am not comfortable. And even I think even the guy said, you know, that. This is what they've hired us to do. I'm like, no, like this is my, like this is job for you. But for me, this is like my career. It's actually you. You're not like playing a character. So the nervous little Trisha had to shut down production and and talk to the director and say, I understand that what you, what your concept is. And I want this to be flirty and sexy and fun. But as far as the piece the big pie that is Trisha, this is a tiny sliver. Yeah. This other huge piece that I have to protect and take care of. And I'm not, approved but i'm not comfortable with this and they did what i asked but they were they they did not like me after that (sighs) but but i i realize and then and if you were to pull up that video now you would see it and it's flirty and fun and sexy but it's not it's not anything over the top and for me i knew it was best for me and that was a big lesson in me understanding that i have to stand up for myself even if it's uncomfortable yeah because i do know what's best for me and if your gut is telling you this isn't right you need to listen to that yeah and i i'm that's really profound too for a 26 year old to realize that you know that on that big of a scale but for a lot of people they get nervous i think about confrontation and everything because especially with women there's this fine line between like oh she's sticking up together herself and oh she's a bitch you know like there's a very fine line so for you how do you make sure that you establish that i think you try to do everything with kindness and you also have to realize that there are going to be people who respect you for standing up for yourself and there are always going to be people who are going to say she was a bitch right and you just have to let it go yeah there's a there's a lyric in every girl in this town my new single that we changed the lyric for the seven-year-old girls who are going to be listening. Yeah. But it says, um, every girl in this town is somebody's daughter, an angel, a bitch, no matter what they call her. And it's like, I changed it to devil for, because also if you, it's labeled explicit on, you know, all the DSPs and mm-hmm. you don't want people to go, well, what is Trisha Yearwood singing about? I made a decision to change it for that reason because there was actually a cuss word and she's in love with the boy and I changed it. And I'm so glad I did because all I didn't these know little, there was a cuss was word in it. Damn, but oh. still, it was little kids, you know, yeah. and I was just like, I didn't realize it was going to be an anthem for little girls. Right. And I want every little girl to sing this song. I don't want them to, to not to feel like they can't sing that word. Mm-hmm. But that is what it's that's what it means. It means basically um, whatever you're going to call it. You know, it's like you have to this. The song gives you permission to just kind of be you and be OK with that. Yeah. Well, and while we're talking about confidence and all of that and everything, I, I do want to come back and I want to talk a little bit about uh, 
your brand. But before we get there, since we're talking about this, we had just found out that we have a mutual love for Lizzo. Yes. And <laughs> on this podcast, I like want to let everybody know if you're looking for confidence too, like listen to yourself some Lizzo. How did you discover her? I was filming uh, my cooking show and every morning in the makeup chair, I have music on and usually it's Beyonce yeah. or Bruno Mars. It's usually something because I need to get pumped up because I'm usually really sleepy. And so I'm drinking my coffee and I'm mm-hmm. trying to find something. And I had, I was just streaming music and I think I was on like a Bruno Mars channel and they play other things. Oh yeah. yeah. And I heard Lizzo sing Juice and I was like, who is this? Because it reminded me of all the Prince songs that I love. Her singing was amazing and it was funny and it was was empowering. And it just got me to discovering more and more. And I realized I'm really late to the party. She's making records for about five years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so good. And then I went to see her live and she's just, she's confident in who she is. And And if you listen to an interview with her, she talks about you know, waking up and thinking at one point, and she's young. She's yeah. young to have discovered this. I think she's mm-hmm. like 30 or yeah. 31 and said in her early 20s that she woke up and thought, I'm always like, I'm too big or I need to I need to lose weight or I need to be this or I need to be that. And she said, I finally one day woke up and thought, I'm going to wake up in this body every day yeah. and I can decide if I'm going to enjoy my life or not, basically. And she lives it. All of her. Oh, she does. All of her songs are so positive. Um and they're funny and they're they're just they're they're awesome. I mean, I I went to see her and after I left that show, I'm just I feel like I could do anything. And we all need that. We yeah. need more we need more Lizzo. It's kind of like what would Lizzo do? I know exactly. <laughs> we need to make those shirts. And by the way, that's now one of my new favorite facts about you that you went to the Cannery Ballroom <laughs> to go see Lizzo. Like that if you've never been to the Cannery Ballroom, it's tiny. Tiny. So I'm just obsessed that you are that obsessed with her too and the yeah, praise it was that. it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about your brand because you have really created this amazing brand around yourself and you're not just a country artist, which is enough, but you're also an author. You are a TV show host. How did that all kind of come about? Was that, did that just kind of start happening without you really realizing or was it really calculated? It wasn't calculated. The, 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 when I moved to Oklahoma to be with Garth, um, that was a calculated move. Yeah. I was like, if we're going to be together, I got to move there. Yeah. And, and we were going to, like I said, a lot of soccer games and, um, and I wasn't making music. I wasn't really touring because we wanted to be together. And I thought, but I had to find a way to be creative. And Mm -hmm. I, um, my manager took me to New York because there was a publishing company that wanted me to write an autobiography. And so I took the meeting, but I said in the meeting, I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Like I, yeah. I don't, I was 40 years old at the time. And I thought if I, if I do want to ever write one, it'll be later. Right. And I probably never tell the stories that people really want to hear. Cause some, nobody ever tells all the dirt, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, I'm probably not ever going to do that. Right. And so in the meeting, they said, well, what kind of thing would you want to write? Cause I think people would resonate with you. And I said, I like to cook. And I mean, honestly, it was an off-the-cuff conversation, and they basically said, well, celebrity cookbooks usually do okay, won't be as good as like an autobiography, but if that's what you want to do. So by the time I left the meeting, I had volunteered my mom and my sister to write this book with me. I did, (laughs) and I had to call them and tell them what I had done. I like that. You even volunteered your your sister for the most recent video. Yes, it's what I do. (laughs) They never know. Never know. And it, it was such a wonderful collaboration. My dad had just passed away, and we had a chance to really do something together. Yeah. He was a great cook, too, so to kind of honor his memory... Never dreaming it would be a New York Times bestseller. Never dreaming it would turn into a second book and then a third book and then a cooking show. So this whole avenue, this whole kind of left turn has been such a pleasant surprise that came out of something that I really enjoy doing. And I think that's been the key for me is to um, is as long as the brand feels as long as it feels something that's authentic to me. I say no to a lot of stuff. I say yes to the things that I think I'll enjoy and things that I feel like 
I can do well. Because if you can talk about something because you have passion for it, then mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. It's it's when you're it's when you're endorsing something or doing something that right. you don't have any connection with, and you're trying to scramble for some connection. That's when you get in trouble. Well, man, that's a huge testament though to actually just taking opportunities and seeing where they go. Because that really led to a completely different part. Yeah, and I never dreamed that I would be, and we're, we're in season 14 of our show, yeah. never would have dreamed that would have happened. And it's been a wonderful way for me during the time that I haven't been at radio um, to stay connected, you know, to really right. stay connected with people. And it's it's been it's been a really good thing. Have there been people yet in your career that have come up to you and only known you for the cooking oh, side? yes. Really? <laughs> Yes, I mean mostly little girls, you yeah. know, who are like they. There's a lot of little girls that watch the show, yeah. And I'll hear their mom go, "She's a singer too," you know. And it's like <laughs> it's really cute, you know. And at first, I'm like, "Look, we need to make sure you're educated on the music, right?" But however you come to it is cool. And we also do sing on the show some, so we, right? You know, those two worlds really do intertwine. And I think it's mostly people who know what I do, yeah. the other thing that I do, but. There are people sometimes that only know the cooking show. Oh, that's that's wild to me, but I, I can see it happening. Yeah, you never know where the, you're going to be first introduced to somebody. But how do you how are how are you able to do all of that and now bringing music back into the picture? How do you balance all of that? Because I know there are a lot of people juggling a lot of things in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the truth of the matter is that balance is hard, and yeah. I think that if you're focusing on one thing. Something else takes a back seat. There's nobody who does 10 things 100% all the time. Even mm-hmm. if you have 10 things that you're doing, I mean, we all juggle a lot of stuff, especially women. I think we really are multitaskers and yeah. we take on a lot. Um, and sometimes I think I do it well. And sometimes I think something's falling by the wayside, you know. So right now with music being in the forefront, even though I'm in post-production on my cooking show, I'm not really as in that as I probably mm-hmm. should be. Um, I'm doing these tailgates on the, on the stadium tour with yes. Garth. I'm I, usually I'm right in the middle of all that right now. I'm like, you guys have going to have to take that. Cause I've got this thing going on. So things, and then like, I don't know when Garth is going to get another home cooked meal. It'll be a while. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's like, it kind of comes and goes. So what those priorities have to shift a little bit. Cause I think it's for me, at least I feel like, um, I can't do a hundred things a hundred percent. So you pick those things and it, and it changes. It mm-hmm. ebbs and flows as to what is going on in your life. And what is number one on the list of priorities right now? Well, I mean, Garth is always number one. I mean, honestly, it's like we take care of each other and that's that, that is number one. And that has not also always been my, me. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when Garth and I got married, we made a conscious decision if we were going to be together, not to be apart and to make this number one, because we'd both been married before. So we understood that this is, this is the most important thing. And that allows me to go and do and enjoy the other things. And of course, the other thing that's priority number one right now is new music. It's been a long time and I'm just really excited about it. Well, I can't wait to be playing it on the radio. (laughs) And before I let you go here, Trisha, I I would love to hear about some of the female artists that you're really excited about in country music right now. Um, I love, well, the first girl that I heard when I first moved back to Nashville that I actually been listening to before was Miranda. I just, I loved her. I loved her boldness. I loved her freshness. Um, I really like Cam. I really like the girls in Little Big Town. I mean, I like mm-hmm. the boys too, but we're yeah. talking girls. Um, I love their sound. Yeah. Um, Kelsey's been really fun because she's kind of, I feel like she's my kid. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she grew up on my music. So this it's really a sweet connection. Um, and and then, y'all went to Lizzo basically together. And we basically went to Lizzo together. <laughs> and then I'm a fan of a lot of girls that you might not know. There's a girl named Lucy Silvis who has music out. I love yes. Lucy. I've recorded several of her songs on this new record. Oh, nice. She's singing on the record. 
Um, Caitlin Smith, I'm a fan of. She's also on this new record. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the, just these voices that are are just making really great music right now. Yeah, and luckily you are giving them a voice as well. So we're always thankful for that. Trisha Yearwood, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on the new music. And of course, again, I cannot wait to start playing that on the radio. Thank you. Oh, honestly, Trisha Yearwood is a living legend and just a, an American treasure. And to everybody that commented variations of dead on my picture with her, same, like so much same. Time for some thank yous. This week they're going out to, well, Trisha, of course, her entire team at Gwendolyn Records, Jim Casey, Joey Salvia, and Lizzo, just because. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Hit me up at Elena D. Smith on all socials, but let's be real, I am mostly on Instagram. Now, looking forward, I like to keep a balance around here of established entertainers and up-and-comers. So, next week, I'm going to have a few guests, but it's just one band. Some friends of mine, Farewell Angelina. These ladies have a really cool story and some awesome songs, some of which they are going to play for you. We'll bring back those videos. Also, they promised to bring margaritas, so... There's that. Hey, if you get a second, I would so appreciate if you could rate this show five stars on Apple Podcasts. That way more people will be able to hear these amazing stories. And while you're there, if you could leave a comment or review, that would be awesome. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk again soon. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.